So what are the chances of AI taking your job, especially if you work in marketing? So this is exactly what we're going to be talking about with Tim Halderson, who is the CEO and founder of Luna Strategy, Web3 marketing agency. And we're going to talk about how he uses AI, who exactly going to be taking your job, if not AI itself, and what are some of the best ways to find a job and excel as a marketeer in this industry. This and many more are the topics we're going to cover in today's interview. Make sure to ask questions questions and comments down below and watch until the end. Let's go. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing all good and happy to be, happy to be here today and talking about uh, the future. <laughs> the future. So the main topic today is uh, AI marketing for Web3. So we'll just cover most things AI marketing related, Web3 marketing related, <laughs> both topics. And we're going to be talking about how it's going to be impacting Web3. So Tim, uh, perhaps do a quick intro about yourself. Yeah, so yeah, myself, I joined uh, the, the crypto ecosystem back in 2017. And back then I was doing marketing, working for Google. Uh, wow. And then back in 2019, I founded Lunar Strategy, a crypto and Web3 marketing agency. Yeah, over the last four years, we have been working with some of the top 100 coins on CoinMarketCap, some of the leading yeah, projects in the market, and in total about 150 crypto and web3 products and help them to go to market build communities yeah a bit of everything and on the, on the side i also contribute to coin telegraph over the last nine months and that's also partly what, what we're going to go into more in depth to today so since i think the last nine months we started to implement a lot of ai workflows into our web3 marketing it has helped us improve quality improve the improve the work a lot that we do and uh, yeah super happy to be able to yeah, to chat about it and yeah and, and more what would you say before we go into ai maybe like let's talk about briefly kind of differences that you saw marketing coming from google and now focusing on web3 what would you say are like the main differences in the mindset or just marketing in general yeah so the, the biggest mindset if uh, the, the biggest shift in mindset that happened in the beginning is that when you launch a web3 project then if you take a Web2 approach, what will happen then is that you might be able to sell out the full ICO or, or IDO or NFT project. But what will happen afterwards is that people will leave because they are not part of your community and they're not part of what you do. So the biggest difference is that in Web2, the goal is to get a sale, is to get the conversion, and then it stops there. But in Web3, then it's more about uh, getting a community member that often indirectly operates like as a shareholder or part of the project more in the long term and being a community member you're part of the project and part of the project's success so that's kind of where to grow a web3 project you need to treat your community as part of what you do instead of like customers which is more the web2 approach and then of course there's a lot of other ways that you can use to prove the community and grow the community which yeah, it's part of it. But I think that was the biggest shift in the beginning that happened quite early. Yeah, since then, it has been a, a great four years working with leading products and a lot of visionaries that are building tools, building solutions that can't be done with without the 
crypto components to it. Quick question about the community building. Do you feel it's even possible to create a community if there is like no token? Without going into all of like the legal part of the security versus utility. Uh, to build a community, they're almost always built around a core mission or a core driving factor. And in a lot of uh, products, it's uh, financially driven. Community wants to be part of the success of the growth. And in that way, it's actually very hard to build a strong community without having a, she a shared vision. There are some products that have done it really well that are more in the non-profit space where they are more about maybe creating a project around, uh, let's say, leadership board about donating to good causes but i would say that it's a niche market that would that is yeah more focused around let's say non-profit or around goals like that uh, mm -hmm. where you don't need a token per se but a lot of other crypto products as well as nfts it is largely built around certain goals and that can be to solve a problem but if you solve a problem then the market uh, place will reward you for solving it and that's where the token value usually comes in Good point. Let's move back to our kind of main topic, AI. I think it's a bear market. A lot of people are moving out from the industry, I feel. And I think every single bear market, a lot of people quit, especially those who've been, you know, not very committed to, to the industry. But I think one way or another, AI been taking a lot of attention. And, and I think a lot of people from crypto space also moving to AI. And also it just raises so many questions, right? Like how will that affect my job? So many people are concerned about getting uh, being unemployed. I think a lot of artists already got kind of affected by that because the there is mid journey now doing all the, the art for them copywriters what, what are your thoughts why are you why are you excited about that ai applications in in web3 and crypto the crypto is all about is solving problems and what ai does is it gives us more effective tools to solve problems and it's not mm -hmm. that it's com at the moment directly competing against uh, a marketeer a writer a developer it's more competing against a developer with uh, that is not leveraging AI. So the competition is now like, how can you, you as a person leverage these tools to produce more? So like a, as a, a developer, I know a lot of them can be uh, two times, three times, or even five times as uh, productive and get five times as much work done. And of course that's giving new developers very good tools to catch up and it's easier to, to get into it because you can leverage tools. Same in, in writing and a, and a good copywriter that can leverage AI for research can become produce more great content. So I don't, I don't really view it like as a competition. It's more that you can produce more. And if you are a person that is very creative, then you can get more creative work done at higher quality, because if you can use like an AI tool to do a lot of the research for you. Then you can put more of your time into what you really like, which is to improve and to uh, make the, the headline or the copy excellent. How, how have you guys been leveraging AI so far in your agency? Uh, so it started like, of course, as anybody with the ChatGTP for different like small tasks, brainstorming and uh, mm -hmm. like writing some basic uh, uh, emails, replying. And then the more tools, like we, we started with implementing a weekly AI meeting. So basically we went over an AI tool every week and then we 
went into like trial, the f- quite a few different ones. So at the moment, I think the most influential one is Fireflies. Uh, it's basically like a note taker mm. that transcribes all of our internal meetings as well as client workshops. And what this does is basically data collection on like a high level. So from a meeting, we don't miss details. We get everything down there and we also have it on paper. Afterwards, we can use the transcript that we have with a uh, with a client from, a, let's say, from a workshop or from a meeting. And then we can pick out a lot of uh, nuggets from there to use when we are creating, let's say, the social media strategy or where we are creating the PR strategy. So at the core basis, we are leveraging AI tool to get more data. And then we are using that data to yeah create higher quality strategies, higher quality this, and basically provide like a better customer experience because we, we we can leverage the tools to get it down there. And then you can even talk with Fireflies to get parts of the like what was said during the meeting. So uh, get the transcript, and then you ask Fireflies to uh, what were the three key points that we want to go into uh, and. That's kind of like the core layer of getting more data. And then there's a lot of tools like that you can use to improve the, the basic layer data, which is mm-hmm. ChatGTP4, uh, mid-journey to create images, and some other like the little bit early still on it, but like the God mode AI, which is <laughs> like stacking prompts on top of each other. Are your clients ever kind of uncomfortable that there was like a, another person in the meeting or another like bot in, the, in your Zoom or in your Google Meets or some other video chat that is like recording everything other like any privacy concerns or have you been in any like uncomfortable situations i think at the beginning we had like a few conversations where it was a little bit early where it was like okay so why is this one here and then we always offer if, if you if you don't want to have the fireflies ai in the meeting then that's fine as well then we can do it mm-hmm. the more traditional way so, but at the end of the day, the question that I would ask a client, a customer that we work with, do you want us to provide higher quality work for you? Or do you want us to do a little bit guesswork and try to remember what was said during the meeting? When the question comes back to you like that, of course, I want to have highest quality content that we can produce. And like, I want to make sure that you get my vision and you can bring it out there and show it to the community. And when it's framed that way, it's very hard to argue against it, uh, leveraging AI for it. So at the moment, we basically, all clients are on board with it, uh, with maybe a few exceptions, some some meetings where it's uh, under NDA, for example, mm. we have had parts there. But in general, it's uh, our standard workflow and it has improved a lot of the work we do with it. So we, we are going to keep pushing and, uh, and yeah, leveraging the tools. Outside of the recording the calls with your clients, you've been doing any other use cases proactively for like streamlining your workflows? A lot of AI, what it's good for at the moment is data collection and also analyzing data. Uh, so one example is we often, let's say we have a workshop with a client, we understand some of their competitors and products that they might like that are doing similar things. So what you can do then is, let's say we have five Twitter accounts, then you can use a tool like Phantom Buster, a great tool to collect data. So let's Mm -hmm. say we download the latest uh, 500 or a thousand tweets from all of the competitors. And then we have a database of 5,000 tweets that are from all of the companies within your niche. Afterwards, what we can do is that we can 
filter them based on the ones that got the most engagement. So let's say mm -hmm. we take the top 10 tweets from all of these accounts. And then we of course do some manual reviews so that it wasn't just like a giveaway campaign or of course we want quality. And then we can actually feed this data to let's say ChatGTP4, get ideas and campaign ideas and, and so on, or that we can then execute on and uh, create them by, by by hand. So it's a lot on, on like the ground level base where you can use AI tools to get and then it's also data scraping or data collecting tools and then combine it. Um, brainstorming is also another part like sometimes you know when you want to put out a tweet you know what you want to put out but you you, you want to frame it, phrase it in like in a, in a better way. Sometimes like you can like leverage yeah, ChatGTP to create a few different variants of an idea and then make sure that you yeah like align it. But the key always like what, what I see is that AI is just a tool. It's not a one fix for everything. And if you just use AI and then put out whatever you get without doing like your own, the AI, you should be the editor always. And a good editor will always edit and make sure that it's aligned with what, what's, what's being done. So, and then afterwards, yeah, you can be the editor yourself and make sure that you, you put it out there. Have you guys implemented any like just complete automations where the, the whole cycle of content generation and publishing is just fully AI generated without anyone touching or anyone anyone even pre-approving anything? Have you have you done anything like this? No. Well, we were not. <laughs> no, we were not there. We're not there, and I, I kind of feel a little bit uneasy about it. Uh, mm. I know on Twitter they have a lot of these automated bots. Like, I think mm -hmm. it's like, ask X, Y, Z, and then right. you can tag them in a tweet and they will, then they will analyze the whole Twitter thread and make a reply on it. So there are a lot of these like automated AI agents out there that are just like putting it, putting it out there. But I think when it comes to marketing, no, it's not from my, from my perspective of what I would recommend because it's a lot of human touch and uh, it's a little bit too risky. In my personal experience, I think the replies that are, unless you really, really, but it still takes a lot of time to polish the prompt that you want to fit in in a template, but still it takes quite a lot of trial and error to get a very consistent, high quality responses from from ChatGPT or from their APIs and be able to like, you know, get a consistent output that is yeah. like, you know, in the tone that you want to hear uh, on or in the tone that you want to show on your Twitter feed or in your blog. Have you used it for any like PR purposes or any other like creative applications, maybe like outreach or PR? Yeah, on the on the PR side, like what, how, it, it's a very good brainstorming partner. So what I often do is, it also goes back to data collection. So mm -hmm what let's say you have 10 people in your niche that are doing similar things where i often would start then is of course like how can we understand what they are talking about and how can we improve on what they have done and add our personal twist and make sure that we are yeah, improving and that we are getting out unique content because you don't want just to copy paste with an ai spin so like when it comes to that, like you can get inspiration from other data sources and that can be just downloading a spreadsheet of headlines. And then uh, usually what we do like is with AI, you also say like crap in, crap out. Like if you, <laughs> yeah. if you, if you don't put in good things. So sometimes, for example, if I have a, a meeting with a client where we sit and take 20 minutes just to talk about headlines, what I sometimes can do is that I can, I've noted down some of them 
but then I can take the transcript, put it into ChatGTP, and ask it to create, let's say, five ideas based on our conversation. Because mm -hmm. then it's unique data that comes from me as a PR professional with the other person we have been talking together. We had a good prompt and then it's unique data that we use AI to improve. Then you can usually get five of them and then it usually takes a bit back and forth to, to improve it and it might be make this a little bit more, add some metaphors to it, add this, add that, and then you can use it like as a partner for getting the titles in place. Um, on outreach as well, it can be quite effective on helping you to create uh, very quickly high quality uh, templates of text mm -hmm. that are, I know that there are some tools that a little bit scary. I, I've started to get them a lot on uh, LinkedIn, uh, where mm -hmm. basically I know that they put, let's say 500 links to LinkedIn accounts into a spreadsheet. And then you have AI that goes in and crawl each individual link. Uh, and then they have like a prompt so that automatically they create like 500 unique prompts based on each landing page. And I've started to get quite a few of them on LinkedIn that uh, where people reach out and you can see that it's an AI generated outreach. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen any interesting like startups that are completely just dedicated or doing something in between where like, I don't know, maybe you're getting paid or rewarded for the data you submitted for the training set. Have you seen any of those projects out there? No, not, not too many. Um, I know that there was a lot of like ICOs and NFT products that were trying to, to ride on the AI wave and they just basically uh, added AI to a few parts of their business. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of good ones, I would say. A lot of them are kind of like building behind the scenes and then they are going into more SaaS businesses. Mm -hmm. So like I think AI is more into using like a SaaS model instead of tokenomics. It's what I've seen. Yeah, I do remember there were like a few of these somewhat scammy projects that like raised, I don't know, like 20 mil. And now I don't even remember their names, <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, uh, that just like, oh, this this AI engine powered by this token bio token. And I think it was just a money grab. And I think it's, uh, I hope seasoned people in crypto just avoided and didn't buy in, but uh, it definitely was a trap for a lot of people. Yeah. No idea how their tokens are doing. No, um, a lot of them, it, it goes often in cycles, like, um... When, when you see something that's super hot, usually three months afterwards, uh, as an agency, we will get a lot of requests to help these companies. So it was right. the AI boom was kind of in, the peak was maybe in November, December. In February, March, kind of, we got probably 10 different AI, they had AI in their name products, mm -hmm. and we said no to every single one of them. Well, sorry, were they crypto related at all or yeah, were they just pure AI? Crypto or NFT projects with an AI spin. Mm -hmm. So it was really not anything unique apart from they were just like riding the AI wave uh, without adding any like real extra value to it. Like after how many calls, I wonder, did you manage to say no to them? Usually quite quickly because it's um, a good question I like personally like to ask is like, why does your company exist? And that screens out a lot of them because they, they know themselves that they're trying to make a quick buck by trying to fund their fundraising uh, or they're trying to do this. So it, it's quite easy to, to understand that they're not in it as a builder that are working to build 
like a genuine product that can give extra value to like the, the community's life kind of. So uh, yeah, quite quickly you can, you can spot it. Are they, are they a genuine product or are they just trying to, they cannot get VC funding. So they're trying to use the, the community to do the fundraising. Not all of them, of course, uh, there's a lot of really good products out there, but most of the ones that reached out. Another interesting point about, again, like a lot of people are afraid that they will be replaced, especially in marketing. And I think marketing is a definitely a creative field where your new ideas and how they exactly will match with your target audience matter a lot, right? And of course, on one side, people will say, oh, you just feed all this context to ChatGPT and it will try to combine it. But do, do you feel there is a, this, is ChatGPT good enough to capture these cultural nuances to hit your target audience with the right messaging and with the right kind of, you know, angle of the certain pitch or certain copy that you're writing? Or do you feel that there is still room for marketeers for like human brain to be able, like the human brain is necessary to, to edit and fine tune the message towards the right audience? I think a quite good metaphor is like, okay, so let's say we're playing chess and mm -hmm. machine can always beat a human, always, like in, in a game of chess, but mm -hmm. um, a, a machine plus a human can always beat a machine because then you have mm. the human component to it. And I think that that's more and more what's, what's happening. It's, I personally more view it like as leverage. It can get them, it can make a good marketer produce more and of course it will be over time there will be less it will be like a combination because more content is created which means that we need more marketeers but then each marketeer gets leverage so that they can create even more so it, it's it's a combination there like i think like if your option is like leverage ai or if you don't do that then other people with will ai will compete you out Mm -hmm. So it's like you kind of have to adopt it as a tool, regardless of what you what you think about it. And the better you become at using AI as a marketing tool, the 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 the, the better you will become, and the the more yeah content you can produce. And it's because um, that's also part of like being a marketeer. You build up a database of campaigns that you have been running or projects that you've been helping. For example, as an agency, we worked with about 150 projects. That means that we have a lot of data on our end, what works, what mm -hmm. doesn't work, what goes wrong, what can go wrong. And that gives us perspective and that gives us like an understanding of, um, of like how to use the data. And I think that that should be the core of all marketeers to get data and to get understanding because if you can combine the right like track record and the, the right experience with AI, then you can come a very long way. What are some good resources for people to learn and be better at prompting, prompting AI? Because I think that that's kind of the name of the game. The better your prompts, the better the output, right? Have you, have you been looking at any resources? Have you been collecting your own internal like database of best prompt templates? Yeah, I, I think I had like for, for two months, I had the only ads I saw on Instagram were <laughs> <laughs> prompt databases and it was like here is the only database you need as a marketeer right so i got so i got some of those we have built some internal things there's also an aside prompt base i think it's the biggest prompt mm -hmm. marketplace the challenge still with prompts is that it's only part of the equation so prompts can only uh, you can only use prompts to get data that already exists you cannot have prompts to create 
unique data. So it's two parts of the equation. And I think that's also important for all marketers. How can you get unique data sets that you can combine with AI? And that can be like, okay, so you have a workshop that you do with a client so that you uh, every time like get all of these key understandings. It can also be that you're very good at uh, getting a lot of data from social media, Google, from research reports. It's prompting is only half of the game. The other part of the game is to get unique ideas, get unique data to put into the prompts. So I, I think that that's where we are heading more like prompts is just used as, like, as a way to fine tune data and to improve on already existing things that you already have. Have you like, are there anything, the interesting things that you like learned about how ChatGPT exactly works? Like, I don't know, maybe some, your own personal nuances and realizations, right? Not, not what's the people talking out, out there, but like maybe some of like your own tips and tricks that you've been doing personally. A lot of companies are like scared of, scared of it. They, they feel like it's, uh, yeah, like a lot of people, people are scared of it because it's a new thing. Mm -hmm. And Maybe you have experimented a little bit with um, basic tasks, like ask for a list of this or a list of that, but test it in like uh, normal. Of course, you need to follow like company policies and maybe you have like, you can't use certain data sets, mm -hmm. but try to see how you can get it into daily workflows. And it can be everything from as a brainstorming partner to mm -hmm. uh, brainstorm on ideas, or it can be to analyze large data sets. It can be to do research. Uh, one like example where that um, I did very early on is, uh, so I often prepared interviews with different uh, founders and CEOs, uh, and then it takes hours and hours to read through past interviews that they have done, past articles that they have written, scroll through their social media, look on the website. It usually took like a few hours. What we then started to do was that we uh, went into articles, just copy pasted all of the text, copy pasted from the website, copy pasted here. We put it into AI and then we had ChatGDP that did all of the analyzing of the background research and then created individual unique questions for the person that we were interviewing. And I remember some of the, the people that we sent out these questions to said, these are the best interview questions I've ever gotten. <laughs> oh, wow. And because most of the time when you do an interview, you're a little bit, because it takes so much time, it's like two, three hours. Mm -hmm. So a lot mm -hmm. of people take shortcuts and they maybe are not so thorough and they do a little bit like this. Like as a human, you always, like often you will try to take shortcuts. But with AI, you could just do it in like 15 minutes. You just copy paste the article, copy paste this data source, copy paste this data, data source, and then you put them all together. And then you ask AI to analyze that data and come up with five questions with a prompt. And that was kind of like early on how it really, like I really understood the value because we, we created incredible questions at like in 15 minutes instead of three hours. That, that's a pretty cool use case. I think we should we should start doing that for this Twitter for these Twitter spaces instead of improvising <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> we'll we'll end up having better questions. A any any other interesting discoveries about the course, like interesting use cases that you guys uh, are using and doing outside of uh, interview prep? When it comes to um, um, also when it comes to like uh, sending, yeah, what what else? Um, on the social media side as well, 
But then it's also like gathering lots of data because that's the first step. And you need to get unique data because otherwise you're just like using what everybody else is. Like I cannot ask AI to create a social media strategy for a um, jobs uh, marketplace. That's, mm -hmm. you, you will get like a, a standard thing. But if I, if I go into all of your competitors, get all of the data, I select just the best parts of what they are doing and I take and then kind of combine that data with what data we already have on you, then you can create something uh, unique. Uh, I think also I am very like fascinated by uh, Adobe and their latest tools in Photoshop right. with, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's called also like Fire, uh, something like that, where you can basically like highlight parts of an image and get it to AI fill it. Yeah, I, I've seen this, but I haven't, I don't use Adobe products except for Figma <laughs> now that it's an Adobe product, but uh, I haven't actually played myself with it much. But yeah, pretty cool. Uh, some of my personal discoveries with ChatGPT, one of the things that I realized is that it's actually not very good with numbers. And if you want to put it a lot of like fit into like statistical numerical data and you want to ask it for averages or sums, it's not always very good at it, even if you f try to fine tune it. That's kind of an interesting uh, realization that, that I uh, had myself at least. Uh, and I think they, the engineering team, their engineering team stresses a lot on the fact that it's a language model. It's not a numerical specific model, which is an interesting, interesting thing to, to keep in mind, not to always rely on the numbers that come, up, come out from the answers in ChatGPT. Internally, I also had an employee in our team that sent sent over a message and you could see that it was just like a ChatGTP written reply. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm not going to respond until you have read through what I wrote and then <laughs> <laughs> send over like your own reply. Mm -hmm. So it can go a little bit too far and it can miss stuff. I think it's human uh, responsibility and human like the being the editor and always like feeling that what's being said is said by you, is not mm -hmm. said by AI. And I think that that's because a lot of people can use that like as a, as a shield, it was AI that wrote it. No, it was you that approved what AI wrote. So I think it's always important to that you are AI is you and you always do the final approval before you send it out. And that's something I stress a lot with, within our company that it's not AI that did anything, it's you. You are responsible for it and you are always like, let's say the boss over the AI. And if the AI did something wrong, no, you did something wrong. Which makes me think in Web3, working with influencers is a big part of marketing a product. And I think, you know, those large accounts and YouTubers are all over the place. Have you seen any interesting situations where like either some influencers use too much AI and it's just like not really, it, it, just, it, just, it just shows that it's not authentic content or maybe have you used it to vet uh, influencers that go through their like, you know, database and see which ones are the most relevant to a project? Yeah. Yeah, on the, on the crypto influencer side, there is a lot of tools uh, that are like an analytics tools that are using AI to do the data analytics. And I know we will come there in a long way. Like yeah. in the future, you will be able to get very, very good data on like authenticity of an influencer based on AI. And I know that some of these companies are raising like tens of millions in order to 
improve it. Um, a few of these Web3 social intelligence uh, tools. So we will come a very long way there. I know we are not completely there yet on analyzing the analyzing with AI. From our side, we mostly use other tools. Uh, some of them have AI components. Uh, but yeah, like on, on Twitter, you you definitely see, you will see a, a competition growing. And that means that just spitting out AI generated tweets will not be enough to stay competitive because the volume of tweets is constantly increasing because you can create more and more people come in. Um, so it will be coming back to more like what's unique about what you do. There's a lot of cool tools that also uses AI to let's say you do a YouTube video, then you can just copy paste the YouTube video, put it into an AI tool, and then you get 10 short clips with the text <laughs> included there. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of influencers and key opinion leaders on Twitter will probably be moving more towards like personal connection video, video as well, uh, in order to build like more in-depth relations and then use AI tools to yeah, like improve what, what you do. What would you say like maybe like top three advice for marketeers in crypto web three or, you know, keeping their jobs or getting their jobs or leveraging AI to get their, themselves in a better place with their career and their job. Number one is AI is not your competition. Your competition is marketeers with AI and if you don't use AI, then you're competing against people that are using AI, which is kind of, let's say like we are running a race and the people with AI are like using steroids. It's kind of like the productivity boost that you will get. It's almost impossible to compete with a skilled marketer that is using AI. The second part is like, how can you create unique data sets that you can then use AI to improve on? And that's also like having more uh, client conversations, meetings, workshops will be more important with clients because you can get a lot of valuable data in a conversation with the client. So I think we're moving more towards that where it will be more workshops and more meetings where you're producing uh, unique ideas and unique data. Uh, and then the last part is I would recommend everybody to be, be active on Twitter in the Web3 space uh, uh, so that you understand what's happening. Also try to not be just a bystander, also be actively in conversations uh, with the ideal employers that you're after, with companies like Crypto Jobs List. I know you put out a lot of good things on Twitter. Interact there and comment and talk with it. And the more, the more involved you are in the space and on Twitter, the more likely you are to get the vibe of the market, as well as also the more likely you are to, to understand the lingo and understand how it, how it works. Cool. Are you guys uh, hiring anyone right now or any opportunities that you want to like mention to the audience? Uh, we are actually looking to hire a full-time writer okay. and a social media manager. Uh, so that, those are two roles that we are looking to fill at the moment at Lunar Strategy. Uh, with with uh, they should be expert prompt engineers. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of the, the most important thing is that you love crypto, Web three, are passionate about about it, and that you want to create great content and create great strategies for yeah some of the top projects in the industry. No, I think it's an exciting time that we are in, and it has only been let's say a year, almost a year with in the in the world and right now i think the biggest risk is to be stuck in the pre-ai world because uh, right now we live in the 
AI world. And it's just going to increase uh, the tools and the productivity and the leverage that you can get as a marketeer. So understand the tools, learn about the latest tools, test them, and also work on your own ways of like your, your own like feedback on executing on a campaign. Um, because that will be a very valuable skills. Like, uh, do you have a good opinion about like what should be done? And it will all more and more come back to, to that because creating content, creating will be something that is easier to do and will be, you will be able to produce more, but your ideas and your execution is, will be more and more important with more content that is created. Yeah, I think that the, the editing skills and curation skills, whether that generated content is up to par, whether it's automatically generated or human generated, I think those curation skills are, are going to be more and more important. Cool, Tim. Thank you so much for, for all these questions answers, for most answers. <laughs> let's, let's read some of the questions that people asked. I think in, uh, in uh, I'm looking through the Twitter uh, comments, uh, by Mozam Kamaran. Uh, are there good analytics platforms that Web3 marketeers can leverage to grow their base better? All right. Uh, I think one good tool is NFT Inspect. It's mm -hmm. a tool where you can find, uh, I think, different, they have different ranking scores. Uh, they have a list of the top 100 influencers on the, on the, in the Web3 space on Twitter. And I would highly re recommend, like, uh, interacting with some of the top ones. They also filter it based on Ethereum, Solana. Uh, and you can also analyze collections there. So NFT Inspect is definitely a very good tool. Uh, another tool is, I would say, Phantom Buster. Phantom mm -hmm. Buster is more like a tool that you can use to collect data. So you can, let's say, for example, if, if it's a profile you like, you can download, let's say, their latest 1,000 tweets into a spreadsheet. And then you can use that data to yeah, basically get like, um, either use ChatGDP on it to get some ideas. Um, but it's a very good tool where you can get unique data based on individual profiles and then you can take inspiration, get ideas. Uh, yeah. And then there are some other tools where you can audit followers as well and follower quality. Uh, some of them are paid and quite expensive for agencies, and then there are some cheaper ones. Uh, but yeah, the, I think one we use quite often is called, I think it's Follower Orbit. Uh, yeah, those are, those are some of the tools I would. Cool. We have, we have already some people who are interested in your SMM or brighter role. Uh, and there's a question from Fanny Ferdinand. Uh, hi, uh, please, how can I apply for the roles mentioned earlier? What's the best way? Shall they DM you or shall I uh, email you? What's the best way? Yeah, you can, you can send a DM to me personally. Then I can guide you to the right uh, form to be filled out. Have you been watching any interesting like YouTubers about AI for marketeers content? Um, we, uh, th there has been some, but all of them are very theoretical. So like more what could be done or what, uh, not so much like how actually to do it. And it's something we are actually from our side working on, putting out a, a course, AI, Web3 Marketing, lever uh, powered by AI. And we did last year launch a course in Web3 Marketing, uh, which has actually been a, like a, a big success over the last 
over the first year. It was launched in August of last year. So we are coming up now very soon, most likely towards the end of July, where we're going to launch a new version that is just focused on AI marketing in Web3. So it will be because uh, when I look back on all of our old workflows and how we did it a year ago, AI flipped the board and it like got everything out. So um, we are going, we have, we, we are still currently working on it and it will be launched in a Towards the end of July is my best estimate, but we will share more on Twitter over the coming weeks. So it's a lot of it is lower uh, shorts and uh, Instagram reels, where it's a very short, like, is this what you could do? Not so much like that a person have actually done it and how they are actually doing it. So it's at the moment, a lot of the content I see is uh, very theoretical, like what this could be done uh, mm-hmm. without actually having done it and having used it on a day-to-day basis cool so we have a we have a question from alejandro uh please unmute yourself quick introduction and your question yeah hey guys uh thank you very much for holding the space holding the space uh yes yes my name is alejandro i'm actually the uh community manager and the head of us sales for operations finance a uk-based company uh currently work out of miami and one of the main questions i have about uh ai and the web3 uh, marketing being more of a niche is well, it goes out saying that OpenAI and the big companies are very much built like the traditional Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg companies where power is in the elite few and the democratization of the power, let's say, or the financial power is not available to the masses. So is there a way you would see this also being combined with marketing, AI marketing and Web3 uh, to create like some sort of DAO, to create some sort of group that will allow people to get more financially involved and to share their feedback and learn in a manner that provides a financial incentive involved and to share their feedback and learn in a fair i think all group it, it's always hard to like a dao i think a dao is very hard to create if you have not a very very clear goal of what you're looking to achieve and most of them don't have like maybe a few have like really hardcore supporters but most of them are basically just for the for the sake of it creating a DAO where it's just one or two people that actually controls the whole thing um it, it could be something but i think it would more be in a loose form like maybe a, a, a twitter group or a twitter community or a discord i know that there's like an AI marketing association very cool one based in hong kong good team they're pushing things forward there um uh, web3 marketing uh, association. I know that there are some AI parts to it. When it comes to like direct AI marketing, um, if we take that part, I, I'm not familiar with any, uh, but I think that they will probably pop up fairly soon, like an AI marketing uh, association. But I think it's not so much of a, maybe at the moment it's a niche, uh, but over time it will be the, what everybody does. And then it will more be like an probably like consultancies that comes in and like, okay, so here's how your company, here's how your web two marketing agency can implement uh, AI workflows. So I think it's more something in a few years, all agencies will be AI powered marketing agencies. Uh, and then it will more be like um, the standard. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question. I have a few thoughts on that topic as well. Uh, I think, you know, Sam Altman, in one of his interviews said that I think it's impossible to train a foundational model with a 10 million budget. Epon AI raised 300 million. Uh, and I think it's maybe up to uh, 
you know, some DAO is very, very crypto topic where some project can raise 10 plus more hundred million dollars. And I'm just thinking like, you know, if it, a lot of DAOs are not very functional, I find. And there is always like some amount of centralization who actually get the job done. But I wonder if some of the existing like open source AI communities, if they were to like collaborate with some of the best crypto communities, Web3 communities, and for example, Hugging Face is a well, one of the most well-known open source AI projects out there, if they were to work uh, or maybe either tokenize themselves and raise a huge amount of money for uh, better models or maybe like work with some other big, good, well-known crypto name, I think th there might be something there where maybe like, you know, people submit their data and they get, it gets tokenized, gets, people get rewarded. But I, I do agree with the Alejandro that I think it's very unfortunate, the course of events that OpenAI took. You know, this started with all this, you know, OpenAI, and now they're pretty much a closed AI, evil corp <laughs> with Microsoft. So yeah, it's definitely a very interesting, interesting direction. Any, any more questions from the audience in the meantime? Otherwise, we'll be wrapping up in just a few minutes. We haven't touched the on the topic of like privacy and in in uh, with with AI. I think like to the extent where certain countries and certain big companies, I know they are banning access to ChatGPT so that you don't provide all them more training data, which is quite interesting. I think it was the news a month ago or so that Italy, the you know whole whole of Italy, they banned ChatGPT. I think the same thing happened in Hong Kong, and I know some of the big companies kind of restricting. Uh, access to uh, to ChatGPT to their employees. So I wonder what will what would uh, keep on happening. Maybe smaller models that get deployed on premises, or maybe someone will come up with something more open source and and crowdfunded. I think some of the biggest companies could get their like their own servers uh, from OpenAI, uh, like at their office. And I also know that when you have the premium version, so ChatGPT Plus, that you mm -hmm. can, you, I think you can give it permission not to share your data some parts is like uh, i think it's being worked on because it is a problem will be solved because it it it, it it's almost like companies want to pay money for it and it's it's a problem that will be solved and usually some of these problems will always come with disruption and people want to put the brakes a little bit but uh, it is a problem that will be solved without any any doubt uh, and i know then what i know some companies did was that they blocked it on the main email that you have your company email but then people were just using their personal email to <laughs> sign up and uh, yeah no nothing more from not nothing more from my side um, i think it's an like my, from my personal opinion, like I'm very, very excited about what's happening. And it's very interesting to be on the inside of what's <laughs> happening. And I can, but I can imagine that if you're not every day using AI, you're not every day using these tools, that it can be a bit scary. Um, and sometimes you have to, in the beginning at least, force yourself a little bit to use some of the tools. Uh, to to not get left behind is kind of what what what, what you don't want to be like the uh, the let's say the grandma without the smartphone, right? You, you want to yeah. be you you want to be in control of what's happening, and I can I can understand like I think if I were not leveraging it on a daily daily basis, uh, I would be a little bit scared about getting left behind. And, but I think it's important to 
kind of force yourself to use it. Uh, maybe have it like as your home screen, uh, download some apps, start start using it because it would like if when I see what's happening and how quickly it's changing, I can see a lot of work. Like some of my old jobs, uh, let's say six years ago, I was working some customer support. Those jobs, like I can see how one person can do 10 times their work with AI. You can reply to 10 times as many emails. You can provide higher quality quicker. Same in accounting, same. I know in some other areas I know managing communities. It will be also, uh, there's a lot of parts that will change. And I think it's always better to proactively be part of the change instead of trying to protect the status quo and, and be like too conservative in the way you do things. It's better to be more proactive and embrace it because then you have a better chance of making sure that you can yeah, future-proof your career and future-proof what you what you do. 100%. Uh, don't get left out. So on this note, thank you so much for watching until the very end. I hope you found this session useful and you had some questions. If you had them, make sure to like this video and comment below what questions you had uh, about the marketing, about Web3, about AI and its implications. We're going to be making more of these episodes with your help. So shoot us a DM or a comment. What are some other next guests we should invite and what are the topics that we should cover? Stay tuned.